before there was Bo, Brett, or even Barry, there was Pat. Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show with Jim Rutledge and former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. Welcome into the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. I'm Jim Rutledge, live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. You can get into the show, 844-770-3776. A nice, hot, or balmy, or warm day here in Madison, and uh, hopefully everyone stays safe with the weather coming a little bit later, and I was uh, driving around today helping uh, move some things around in the ESPN Madison office with my awesome truck from Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. I had a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb, and you can too. Go check out uh, them up in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience if you're in the market for it new or new to you. Chevy Silverado or Colorado, I recommend Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. Pat, how are you doing today? Good, Jim. Put a plow on the front end of that thing and get over here or something. Yeah, no no kidding. Well, hopefully, maybe at some point we'll get some <laughs> snow because uh, weirdly we're going to have somehow tornado warnings or watches along with snow on the ground, at least in central Wisconsin. So that's what's kind of coming our way. I'm not going to play weather person, but that's what, I, uh, that's what I've seen uh, out there. So uh, it, it's wild up here in Wisconsin, and it's also wild with the Green Bay Packers, uh, Pat, as... Aaron Rodgers continues to stoke the flames a little bit. He was asked on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, do you love being a Green Bay Packer? And Aaron Rodgers paused, and well, I'm sure we'll hear this during Sounds of the Week, but Aaron Rodgers paused, kind of chuckled, and said, I love playing ball. And obviously that opens up a lot of conversation today, Pat. And I'll ask you more on the idea of why do you think Aaron, he's not a dumb guy, so he knows exactly what happened uh, what was going to happen, the way he responded. Why do you think Aaron is constantly, for lack of a better word, poking the bear here? I'm not sure. I think you'd like to think maybe it has something to do with the opponent. Maybe let them think there's something to uh, grovel about, you know. He wouldn't be playing as top of his game if he's unhappy and something like that. But uh, I don't know. I think he, I think Aaron just likes to stir this pot up. Uh, and I think he certainly has done that. Uh, and I think maybe McAfee knows where to where to poke and what kind of questions to ask and things like this. But, uh, you know, when you start to think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, in terms of wanting to keep – I mean, they basically probably have done everything they wanted him – he wanted them to do with respect to bringing in players and things like that. I think they did a really terrific job in terms of filling out the roster. I mean, even continuing today – with all the injuries they've got, they're still ranked. You know, got them ranked, uh, ranked highest in the possibility of getting a playoffs and maybe Super Bowl and things like this. So, and there's a lot of good things that are happening there, and I'm not sure that anybody in their right mind would uh, look at it and say, "Oh, it's going to be better over here, or over there, Denver, or wherever it might be." That's that's a question. If, if that's the case then it really has nothing to do with uh, how you think you're going to finish in terms of winning or whatever. It has to do with irreparable uh, relationships that can't be repaired. And uh, 
but I, I, I think a lot of this is, is him just uh, tweaking the bird a little bit, and uh, just he gets the kick out of it, I think. Yeah, he does, uh, and so far nothing's affected the team on the field. They've been laser-focused, and I don't think this will be a distraction. It's a veteran group, but just one of those things where you're competing for a Super Bowl legitimately, and it, it is surprising. You could just you know, say, yeah. Uh, he doesn't mean he didn't ask you to be a Packer for life. He said, "Are you having, or don't you love being a Green Bay Packer?" Uh, and to me, <laughs> I think the easy answer, Pat, would have been, "Yeah, definitely." Uh, and he yeah. did love it yeah. uh, on Sunday. Uh, they were able to. I mean, the first half of the game was interesting, but they kept the Bears at uh, arm's length, and and really the difference between two teams there. Chicago got off to a hot start. They were playing near perfect football in the first half. They're only up six, and then that game went sideways as. The Bears made no halftime adjustments, and the Packers made some and, and put that game away. And Aaron Rodgers continues his massive success against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it started off just horrible. I mean, the special teams and things like that they were just out of sorts. And uh, and and I think that they, they seem to like to play from behind. I mean, I, I, at some point, maybe you're not going to be able to overcome all of that. But I think they figure, well, 10 points is easy to get. And then with the interception, it picked it off. And maybe speak of the special teams for a minute. You know, that's a, it's an interesting one because everybody seems to think, well, there's a difference in the coach and things like this, and he's got to do this and do that and whatever. Sure, there's a lot of things with respect to coverage, but that's a lot to do with personnel. And I think that's what uh, uh, LaFleur is looking at this week. Uh, you may remember years ago with Wisconsin, we had uh, Tom Burke. Tom Burke was an All-American defensive tackle, but he loved to go out on earth kickoffs. I mean, he just and he blow everything up. I mean, so it has a lot to do with the talent you mm-hmm. put in there, and obviously with all the injuries the Packers have got, you don't really have an awful lot of guys to spare and or risk injuries because that's can really happen. And I think that, you know, I was hoping that we get a few more long kickoffs in the the end zone where they just say, well, we'll take it on a 25, but that didn't happen. But but I think that, you know, sooner or later the Packers just seem to overcome everything that they've stubbed their toe on. No pun intended for Aaron, but uh, it's, it just seems like they uh, they like to play that way and gives a little bit of the defense a little bit of incentive to really get out there and hustle. And uh, But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening with respect to the lineups and with respect to the new guys in positions and guys getting you know, Billy Turner and things like this. And so it's it's not a smooth, oil-oiled machine, but doggone if they don't get the job done and the defense is playing well. And uh, and I think that they they just have a great deal of confidence that they can do just about anything. And they should. And, Pat, this actually kind of touched on one of the things we had talked about uh, throughout the week of the biggest threat to the Green Bay Packers – uh, and obviously Tampa's a good team, and Arizona, and this will kind of lead us into our question here, Arizona just lost DeAndre Hopkins for the regular season. They're hopeful to have him back for the postseason with a sprained knee. You have Baker Mayfield out for COVID, uh, so he might not be playing against the Raiders, depending on how his tests shake out. So there's COVID coming through the NFL. That could be one thing to slow down the Packers, You know, run to the number one seed in, in hopefully the Super Bowl. You also have injuries in general, and Randall Cobb just went down with the an injury. Uh, it looks like the injury uh, to Billy Turner isn't too bad, but that's just another injury that popped up. Aaron Rodgers is fighting this toe. Uh, and then the, the other thing you kind of hit on there was special teams. So which one of those things stand out to you the most, Pat, as far as a worrisome thing? It's nice that the offensive defense seem to be more than capable of carrying this team, but some of those outside factors could have a 
uh, an impact? Well, I think it still boils down to the offense. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, I, I get mad just thinking about it and watching it every time you see the Buccaneers back there and Tom Brady standing back there like he's in a rocking chair and nobody's getting close to him. And maybe every once in a great while they'll have to run with the ball or to get rid of it or something like this. But he just sits back there and can pick his spots. If you're that kind of time, I'll, I, I don't care who it is. I mean, certainly Aaron Rodgers could – could do what was done there with respect to that kind of time. And so that's the concern I have. I mean, right now we've been kind of keeping our fingers crossed in terms of the way that the guys are replacing the first-line uh, offensive line guys are doing a pretty good job. I mean, ultimately that's going to be a big help because it's going to provide a lot of backups and, and depth in the charts and things like this. And I think that uh, in that respect, if you can keep them off Aaron, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be beneficial. But especially when he's got a bad toe and things like this. Is that, you know, don't think that these guys don't just take a shot at it. And just, well, they don't care whether they tackle him or not. They just want to hit the foot, make it a little bit more uncomfortable, and see what he can do. But so far, he's been weathering the storm. So I, but I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think that the special teams, if you get the ball a little deeper, I, mean, I don't know whether it was just uh, Mason was kicking against the wind or not, but it wasn't even the depth that he'd normally get. The other kickers were getting it, and that's what you need to do. Every time the Packers kick off now, you know darn well that the receiving team is going to give it a go and bring it out of the end zone just to see what happens. You'll start one way and cut back the other way and see if they can catch a little lightning in the bottle too, just like uh, the Bears did. And uh, and so I think in that respect, there's an awful lot of uh, emphasis. On, I think feel more comfortable about the defense uh, than at any place, and uh, if they can stay little as healthy as they are and get Alexander back, and and uh, and the guys are doing as good a job as they have been, I think we'll be okay. But uh, everybody's running through the same thing, and, and right, COVID is kind of the wild card. Even though uh, you, you know, just uh, you hope that the vaccinations and everything else have been taken care of and whatever, but you know some that are vaccinated are getting it now and. And they're precautionary and things like this. It just seemed like it was a proliferation in all uh, professional sports in terms of uh, getting quarantined or vaccinated and things like this. So you just never know from one day to the next who you're going to be on, who's going to be on the team. And hopefully we'll get back the Ari back. I mean, uh, they've been kind of doing it without him, but you know, he's just that's such a big injury that you just hate to take a chance on him. But at some point in time. I mean, he's going to be forced into playing and just see whether he can continue to play the rest of his career. Yeah, and this is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. And special teams is always an issue for a lot of players. You talked about earlier with the idea with a lot of injuries on his team. That could be where we're starting to see that war of attrition. Might see some of it in the, in the play calling. Obviously, against the Bears, was a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the second half, I think in large part to make sure that Aaron Rodgers didn't take any more extra hits, and they only really threw once they got the, the lead by, I believe, 11, only threw when they had to. So, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line coach, they do a good job just overall covering up that thin roster. But, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, the special teams could be a spot where I don't think they have a replacement for Amari Rodgers, who off the punt and got a break on a – Kind of a borderline call there, but he's still muffed the punt, and and he hasn't. He's been taking some weird, uh, what's it, fair catches, and there hasn't been a lot of positive plays out of that punt return or kick return game. So overall, the Packers aren't really getting even a negative with returns or a positive with returns. 
Yeah, I'm not sure who it was that uh, it was on the punt. Was it was it Taylor? Was it that, uh, or I guess it was on the kickoff? It was right, the kickoff right on the sidelines, and he. Oh, that was Taylor. Yep. Yeah, ready to bring it back in, and I mean that was about a 35-yard uh, switch. You could have been at the 35-40 yard line versus uh, back on the five, and so those are the kind of decisions that uh, you know get get, uh, get coaches fired. And, and it's not a question of did you know it. I mean, everybody would have known that. I mean, I, I really wonder sometimes if guys really know what they're, where they're at and where their position is, and and that's part of the game and learning and understanding that because. You know, you don't you don't make a fair catch for a call on a three yard line, for example, or some ball. Give that ball a chance to bounce out of bounds. I mean, what are, what are you missing by doing that? And uh, and it's it's huge because now Aaron was starting on the five yard line. You got an entirely different game when you're down in that deep in your in your territory. And luckily, we got out of it. But uh, it, it's it's really uh, you know it's, it, there's some things that are working well better than others. The other times, and when you question whether or not the Packers really had the, the wherewithal to make a run for things, and, and then when you get back to tying it together with with Aaron's future, you know you'd say he's he's, he's no dummy. He's a smart guy, and and so I don't see him wanting to go to a different team just for the sake of making a change and and leaving that all that behind. Now, if there was some substantive, you know, issues, and it seems like there's. From one week, I don't know what happened from one week to the next, because last week it would just seem like there was a kind of lovey-dovey situation with respect to, you know, the way he was talking about being involved in decision making, things like this, and those are the things he wants. And I think there's there's no question if you're in the front office and you're looking at the way the Packers are playing, you're certainly you'd be hard pressed to say, yeah, gee, I think I got to take a chance on my other guy. You know, I mean, I think that this is. Certainly, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers. There's no reason why he can't be a three to five year guy for sure, and maybe even more than that. And Pat, one more thing around the Packers, and Tasha kind of talked about it when he was talking to Brian Urlacher uh, last week. The the Packers, they always have that great eraser, and I think it seems weird to say, but it's almost like we still underrate Aaron Rodgers. Those mistakes that we talk about, the special teams being kind of a mess, and obviously injuries aren't a mistake, but the injuries, so many things going on with the Packers are erased by having Aaron Rodgers. And it's one of those things where I'm sure the Packers front office, because it's the other part I wanted to talk about, Chris Collinsworth mentioned during the broadcast that you know he asked Aaron if he wanted to stay as a Green Bay Packer, and Aaron, uh, quoting Collinsworth, who was quoting Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I want to stay a Packer, I just want the long-term stability or a long-term contract that locks me in to be a Packer, I would imagine. He didn't say this part, but I think if the Packers gave him a three-year deal that essentially with the the guaranteed money and the way it's spread out guarantees he's the starter for the next three years, I think Aaron would sign that, and I think the Packers would have Aaron Rodgers for the next three years. And if you yeah, don't... I think certainly there's going to be a question in Aaron's mind saying, well, how productive can I be five years, seven years down the road? And and, and when you start thinking like that, you've got to certainly put yourself in a position of the, the club in terms of saying... You know, at some point it becomes you know kind of a toss-up, but certainly three to five. The way he's playing now, I mean, I I think one of the things that was impressive on the game Sunday was a the little lob throw over the defense into the you know, I think it was it was Aaron Jones that got the caught the ball or Dylan, and it just was kind of just a, a little bit of a soft ball, and just but it was out past the outstretched arms of the defense and it cost it got a touchdown. I mean, you don't find those kinds of uh, plays for a lot of quarterbacks and a touch like that and those are the kinds of things that you can do for for a long time I and mean, i 
I don't know that there's ever been, maybe when Tausch was playing, there was a time when he felt, well, we've got pretty good protection here. You should be able to get get by without being unscathed in the game. I don't think there's been many of those games. And so I I think that's where I think you got to kind of look at in terms of beefing up the uh, – the uh, the line making sure we can still got more depth in there, and that's the big key for me is is beginning the line, protecting him because uh, obviously the more you get hit, the more chances for injury you got it. This is the Pat Richter Show, one hundred point five ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. Scalzo and Bruss. 2022, Graham Mertz, all the great recruits coming in. Jimmy Leonard on the back end of the defense. That is when the Wisconsin Badgers win the national championship, and I could die a happy man. Weekdays from 4 to 6 on 100.5 ESPN. Your home or business, there's only one call to make. That's the J&K Security Solutions. The J&K, they work hard to protect the things that matter most in your life. For more information, call 2555-799 or visit jksecurity.com. I'm Jim Rutledge, live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Pat Richter with us. And, Pat, today is signing day. And a couple things. I'll start with, with this part. Jimbo Fisher uh, was on the Paul Feinbaum show, uh, an ESPN radio show out in the SEC Network, and, and his broadcast in the SEC Network as well. And uh, he was asked about name and likeness and how it's affecting college recruiting. And, and Jimbo Fisher, former head coach at Florida State, said name and likeness has always been around. We just never talked about it before. So a, quick, a little nod uh, to how uh, the name and likeness is now maybe quote-unquote legal, but it's been going around for a long time. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, there's some information I just got reading through some things today about where it's going with some of these uh, really out of out of sight type situations. One is in Texas. In Texas, they talked about a a ten million dollar fund of of uh, people to put monies together that they could find jobs and and opportunities for nil and things like this. There was another one, and they've also got it set up for. Uh, kind of a oh, charity type things. We're doing things for charity, but being paid for that as well, that they can put up a fund that uh, kind of sets things up so that the charity doesn't pay it, but it's uh, it's for the uh, charitable giving. And the comment was you know, that this was really out of sight because you know everybody in the world knows that it's not going to be a, a charitable situation in that respect and it's it's just a, a vehicle and they're pushing the limits and they're, they're really getting things out of control and and i think the other one that perhaps to keep an eye on if it gets in the headlines a little more than that is uh, like phil knight for the ceo or discover nike in terms of putting together situations with regards to, you know, uniforms and any kind of commercials and things like this, you can just see that there's how where is it going to stop? I mean, the only differentiation you're going to be able to come up with is saying maybe that somebody that's involved in it is not a star player, but it's probably going to make the, the haves get a little bit more and the have-nots a little less. And so that's something that's going to be a very, very uh, key item and because you've got situations where Nikes are school apparel. Uh, maybe there's some deals, and certainly in the pros with respect to uh, the different kinds of companies, but it doesn't happen in the college ranks. And the institution is involved. 
uh, I think we're starting to. It took a little while for this to kind of uh, catch on in terms of you know how far can you push the limits, and but I think we're starting to see some things about it. And the, and the strange thing about it, it's not something that everybody's just talking hush hush about it. And they're starting to be really blunt about it, just like what Fisher said. It's just been kind of going on for a long time, uh, but it was just under the table, and now it's out in the open. And uh, is that going to make it much better? But it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see if everybody keeps their mouth shut, or, or when they get a situation, they get somebody that's been recruited from away from them, based on that, and then uh, they start to talk. Whether or not they start to blow the whistle on people like that, and the, and the transfer portal is is a key. I mean, you have the ten million dollar fund in Texas, and with recruiting and with respect to the transfer portal. There's an awful lot of things you can do to entice people to come. I mean, I mean, this is really uh, where I think people started to think that was going to end up in terms of making it very difficult to get a handle on it. And so far, I think that it remains to be seen. They they say they haven't really seen too much so far the NCAA, but we, I mean, how much credibility do they have? It's very little. And so I think to be able talking bluntly about this in the open is really kind of a surprise to me, anyway. And speaking of surprises, Deion Sanders at Jackson State pulled off uh, what you'd call a signing day shocker. The player, just uh, not that it matters, but Travis Hunter, uh, number one uh, for rivals, number two for ESPN player in the entire country, had been committed to Florida State all the way up till today. And Travis Hunter is now going to historically black college uh, Jackson State, where Deion Sanders coaches. And I'm imagining somewhere along the lines, name and likeness has been worked into this because you look at it, Deion Sanders has been uh, recruiting a lot of these sorts of players uh, to Jackson State, and including SEC players who previously committed other places, now Florida State as well. Uh, it is surprising, and it, I guess the flip side could be maybe name and likeness helps, and kind of to your point, Florida State might start getting mad about this, could help a school that has kind of been out of it. Now, these aren't, obviously, they're not even they're an FCS school, but Still, those players not being a Florida State or Georgia can end up upsetting those schools. Yeah, and I think that you know Dion must be making the pitch based on the fact that say, look, you can be a big fish in a small pond here. At four three speed, four four speed, whatever it might be for a running back or receiver or what people like that doesn't make any difference where you're, what school you're at. You're going to still be able to show your wares, and that's if he can get a quarterback. Say it was a receiver, it was Hutter. I, I don't recall a position, but. Uh, he, uh, if he is a receiver or running back or whatever, I mean, he doesn't really need too much to uh, to be a success. And if he's a defensive lineman, he's a, maybe he's a Aaron Daniels type of player, the defensive line or linebacker. Uh, you know, making a tackle and, and being speed to catch up is going to show up no matter where you go. And so, I would expect that this is probably as the potential. If it, if it continues like it's going now, and it's what, do, what Sanders is doing, it gets a little bit more prevalent, is to be a little bit of kind of a parity boost. I mean, it's kind of flattening out the abilities. It's not going to have the spikes like the, the Alabama's out of sight. You're still going to have a couple of those, but there's going to be others maybe along the Cincinnati lines and things like that. They're going to start to raise their head and, and be a little bit more in the, in the mix, so to speak. And with that, there was an article here written in uh, an SB Nation uh, website, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and it also references something written from TheAthletic.com by 
uh, Jesse Temple, and basically talks about the Badgers recruiting department, and it's been talked about for a while, and the, the article talks to some local high school coaches, and he had nothing but good things to say about the Badgers, but he says it's interesting that now most schools are, are sending assistant coaches, they're sending people who are a little bit more involved and they have full-on, or they're sending staff members who are actually part of their recruiting team. The Badgers are sending graduate assistants, which then he says, hey, everything I tell them is with a grain of salt. Everything they tell me is with a grain of salt because how much sort of pull do they have? How much are they properly reporting? And it's just been out there a little bit time that the Badgers uh, seems like, uh, from what we can tell, have the smallest or one of the smallest recruiting staffs in the Big Ten and the way that recruiting is going, we just talked about with Deion Sanders, but they lost uh, their recruiting director to Michigan State uh, with Mel Tucker bringing him over. They haven't replaced him publicly. So there's just, uh, I think, some money and resources that the Badgers might have to put into this. And, Pat, we talked about it last time. I'm sure Mac uh, is going to have to have – you're not going to step in, but there's probably conversations with Paul about how are we spending – this money for the for the football team because recruiting is the lifeblood of a program and the Badgers did lose a couple guys out of state this year and it and they have zero players committed for 2023 not the end of the world but still most teams in the Big Ten have around four or five so they seem a little bit behind uh, pace as well but it seems to be due to a smaller staff. Yeah, I don't. I know you know Paul's a pretty smart guy. He's been around football a long, long time. He understands the value of recruiting, and I, I don't think it's a question of money. I, I mean, they're, right now they're spending less than anybody in the Big Ten, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, uh, what are you going to do with that money? How you, you spread it around? I think, in, certainly in some respects, if you have a grad assistant that's out recruiting someone. You you can see how easy it would be to negatively recruit against that. Well, this is what they think of you. They got they sent out a grad assistant instead of the coaches, the really frontliners, and we, that's something that's really not been talked about much about the university very much in the past. Because generally speaking, it's always been the case where the, we've identified a lot of good talent early on, and as the time goes on, they other you know, opponents to cherry pick and try to. You know, you take advantage of that because you know Wisconsin has recruited well, and I don't, I don't know if that's changed or not, but certainly it's a concern. And uh, unless there's something that we're working on that is maybe different and data driven and things like this with analytics, that uh, is going to be very much promoted. But still, it's a it's a people game, and and uh, and the relationships, and somebody's got to be the closer, and which is generally the head coach, and uh, yet. It's it's a question. Everybody knows as assistant coach, you got to recruit. You got to go on the road, and you really got to pound it. And uh, it looks a lot different today than it did 25 years ago. But uh, it's with the nil and everything else. You know, these staffs are getting to be six or seven people. It seems to be a lot of people, but a lot of them are probably out there digging up. Maybe they're digging up uh, deals and things like this that the recruits could be. Part of it in terms of a nil contract and things like that, you're just not quite sure. But it's certainly something that I think you, can, you look to find out really quick in terms of if you're not getting the right people, the people that you want. Sure, you're going to lose some now and then. And if you've got a lot of linemen, you may lose a couple linemen. And it's still a question of whether or not you know the people are seeing the same things you're seeing. And we've been in many, many times in the past where you've 
recruited people that others did not recruit and they turned out to be very good and vice versa because we're looking for a certain kind of person and uh, athlete and and, uh, physically and mentally and everything else and maybe some others aren't doing that so but all in all it is something that kind of sets off some alarm bells and certainly you want to make sure you get that for reveal uh, fence around the state of Wisconsin to keep our people home but uh, nowadays, with the nil and with the national recognition, it's going to be very, very difficult to keep your top players here unless you have something similar to to, uh, to combat it. And before we head out, I do want to give uh, some a shout-out to Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker. He went and did a special announcement today, and actually the first member of the recruiting class was Tate Meyer, one of the victims of the Oxford shooting, class, or shooting two weeks ago. So obviously that's an honorary thing there from Mel Tucker, but a really classy move from Coach Tucker to to make sure that that, that player, uh, that student athlete was, was honored. So I wanted to, to point that out because uh, that's it's a cutthroat business and it's nice that he took a minute to uh, honor someone who, who lost their life. Uh, this is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. On the air, on demand, on social, on Wisconsin Sports. Serving Wisconsin sports fans, this is 100.5 ESPN. You're listening to The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN. Brought to you by Stoughton Health. Trusted care, close to home. Now, back to Pat and Jim. seniors and their loved ones peace of mind find the right balance of care you need centered around your lifestyle move to a community with neighbors that become like family enjoy the comforts of your apartment with an abundance of events just outside your door choose the fit that's right for you from independent living to assisted living memory care and short-term rehabilitation oak park place with locations on madison's east side in the coma neighborhood janesville and baraboo visit oakparkplace.com to learn more, this is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN App, and Wisconsin On Demand. Jim Rutledge with you live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Time now for Sounds of the Week. What did she say? These are the Sounds of the Week on the Pat Richter Show. Brought to you by Simden Chevrolet and Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience. It is Sounds of the Week. No Alex Strofe today. Molly Brown is filling in. Molly, what's the first one we got? So you guys talked a little bit about it earlier, but Aaron Rodgers appeared on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, where when asked if he loves being a Green Bay Packer, his response was, let's say, interesting. Here's what he said. So you love being a Green Bay Packer right now, yeah? (laughs) I love playing ball, man. Uh, Pat, what do you make of his response? And should Packers fans be worried? Oh, I think the Packer fans are already worried out. <laughs> I'm not sure there's any much much left in there. I think I think I heard Tosh this morning saying, you know, they just kind of sit back and enjoy what's going on and, and not really worry about it because there's not much we can do about it. But I, I think it's uh, that's just the nature of Aaron. I think he's uh, likes to tweak things and get stirred up a little bit. And certainly, I think all of his uh, sponsorships and uh, all state or whatever it is and State uh, Farm and uh, he may get a lot of. Uh, publicity on it and everything else 
anytime you get him face in there and no controversy, some of the collateral things he gets involved in are probably going to be really uh, much more uh, uh, visible to people and things like this. But I think he just he's just tired of the whole business. I think a little bit in terms of trying to phrase it one way or the other. And I think that uh, if he had said. No, I'm happy. I'm a Packer fan. They would have run with it and said, "Well, he's going to be a Packer for life." And so, he's probably playing, trying to play down the middle and make it a little more coy. And I think he's, I think he's, uh, he's right where he wants to be. Probably. I agree. I think that I, he's so concerned about never being, you know, called a hypocrite. Even though he clearly has earned that a few times. And I think in this case, I think he's. You know what, Molly? You said this before about Aaron. I think it works, and I'll let you say it. But basically, Aaron puts off a vibe of being Mr. Cool Guy. Nothing affects him, but you don't think that's necessarily who he is. No, because I feel like if you really are cool, calm, collected, and you're zen, whatever the word you want to use, that you're not going to care what other people think. And I feel like so much of what he does is for other people. And I don't know if that's necessarily just to get people talking and like stir things up or what. But just I don't feel like his actions match what he likes to claim who he is. Let's get the next one. All right. Next one here. Let's stick with more of Aaron Rodgers uh, comments. Uh, Also on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, he talked about that toe injury. Here's what he had to say about that. Body's pretty good. I mean, the toe was definitely hurting after the game uh, Sunday, but it is what it is. It's not going to be a problem. Uh, I don't think uh, it's not going to stop me from playing. It's just it's just pain management. So, but I'm going to you know keep playing and probably not practice a whole lot unless there's significant improvement. It was great. The bye week man was amazing to be able to uh, to get that thing healed up for almost two weeks, but. You know, you go out there and play and run around and try and do some things. It's going to be painful after the game. So is the toe a cause for concern? Because, I mean, he's been playing better than ever with it. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's certainly a cause for concern. If it was mobility, I think being the pinky toe, there's certain things you can do probably to try to mobilize as much as possible. You maybe take a a shot of Novocaine to deaden the pain because there's probably been... He's probably had a lot of discussion with the doctors to say, well, how much damage could be done at this point in time if you, say, you tape the last two toes together, so to speak, so they can't move much. I mean, it's going to be painful, but pain management is, uh, it takes a number of different uh, turns, in it. and I think that he can get past that uh, point. It's just a question about somebody stepped on it, right? I guess the real question I'm sure that he's concerned about is, and has probably got a satisfactory answer for that, is is how much damage could be done under what circumstances. Somebody stepped on it with, got a cleat right at that particular juncture. No, maybe he's got a small splint in there, a little protection, maybe a little piece of metal to keep it straight or something. I'm sure they're doing anything they can to keep it uh, immobilized so it can't move too much, but certainly it's... And he, even whether he's taking Tylenol or whatever it is, who knows? But he's going to try to, uh, he'll be out there regardless of whether it hurts or not. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think the only thing that could pop up is more of the war of attrition, where at some point, not practicing, and if it's constantly bothering him, could there just be uh, a general, uh, I don't know, not that his skills would even diminish because he's playing so great, but. It's never ideal to have your quarterback not practice and deal with an injury throughout. I don't think it's going to be season-defining. I don't think it's going to derail the Packers. But there's at least a small chance that it could, like you mentioned, someone could step on it wrong or 
something goes sideways, maybe overcompensates and something else goes. But I, I would say it's it's only slightly worse than just having a, a healthy player. He's probably looking at it more like if, if in fact, he's not practicing much, and maybe it's maybe more body management. He probably yeah. figures, well, there's a few more practices that I put on the sidelines and I don't have to do it, and then it's going to maybe give me a few more games at the other end of my career. Next. Keyshawn Johnson talked about Aaron Rodgers' comments um, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and here's what he had to say. No one gives a damn. We know who Aaron Rodgers is. I'm in the locker room with him every single day. We're eating. We're going to his house. We're doing Christmas parties together. We're, we're at, there's nothing. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you and others that hold shows. That's, that's for them to jump on and just go crazy about. His mission is getting to the Super Bowl. The team's mission is getting to the Super Bowl. Nothing will derail that mission at all other than a bad football game. That's it. How do you guys feel about this? Do you really think that Aaron Rodgers' comments make no impact on the locker room? I think I think Keyshawn is right on the button. <laughs> I think he certainly sees it, and I think that uh, that's and, and, and quarterbacks a lot different than Aaron Rodgers have done the same sort of thing and just pulling the chain a little bit and, and teasers and things like that. And I think that. Uh, Whether he said anything verbally to somebody in the locker room, whatever about it, I think they know the kind of person he is and that uh, it's it's for everybody else's benefit, not theirs necessarily. It's not a benefit. It's just a question of distraction. Let them think about it. Let the Baltimore Ravens think about whether or not he's he's got a sore toe or not or whether he's going to play at the Packers next year or whatever. Let them worry about it. Because every time they hear it a little bit, they process something in their mind as well when they think about it. So uh, I think that Keyshawn's right. I think that they're just focused on one thing, and and they, everybody in that locker room knows that he's going to do whatever he can to get to the Super Bowl. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that one too, Pat. Let's hit the next one. All right, last one I've got for you guys. Following the Packers' win over the Bears, there was a lot of questions about the special teams and their struggles, not only in that game, but throughout this season. Here's what Matt LaFleur had to say about that and the special teams quarter, uh, excuse me, cor- coordinator Mo Drayton. Mo's the lead on special teams, but uh, certainly he lets Ren- Renee Stewart and Connor Lewis. I mean, those guys are as involved as anybody. So it's a collective effort, just like it is on offense and defense. And um, But, yeah, I it just uh, – I don't want to sit up here and defend those guys, but I, I know the work they're putting in. I would go to the meetings, and, um, you know, I'm confident in that group. What do you guys make of this statement by LaFleur? Like, do you think – do you like that he's standing up for his coaches, or how do you feel? I think I think he's you gotta like him for standing up for his coaches. I mean, he was he, he's he very couched his words very carefully, but I think that he realizes just as much as anybody does that you're only sometimes as good as the players you have, and 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 Mo Drayton just can't go through the roster and say, "Well, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you," and pick him out and have him on the special teams. He just won't get that done. They're going to get certain players. Certain players are going to be untouchable because they play in a key position. They don't want to take a chance to get injuries. You know, the running down and the pulling muscles, uh, hitting people in collisions, concussions, things like this. It, it's just a very, it's probably all the things that anybody does on the football field, that probably has the greatest degree of risk for injury, and especially if you're covering kicks and things like this. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's just like I say, it depends on the people you have 
And part of that issue, not that I'm giving any excuses for it, part of that issue is the question you don't have the the fastest guys, the biggest guys, the strongest guys, and whatever, because they're needed in offense and defense, and the special teams have never had the ability to be on a level of par, even though maybe there's close to a third of the plays are special teams, they never really have gotten the, the allocation of players like the other team, the offense and defense would. That's been Sounds of the Week. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. Madison's home for Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Giannis saying, take that. 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Welcome back to the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Jim Rutledge with you live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison studios with former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. Badgers play tonight, Pat. Play Nickel State, 7 o'clock at the Kohl Center. Uh, Badgers 8-2, Nickel State 7-3. Obviously, those are not equal numbers there, but the Badgers are coming off their first loss with Johnny Davis on the basketball court with them. And Johnny Davis uh, seemed to be the only guy who really showed up and played his normal game against Ohio State. That was a really tough game for the Badgers, but they were bound to come down to earth a little bit more. They have three non-conference games coming up that should boost their confidence back up. But against Ohio State, Johnny Davis, 11-22 for 24 points and 7 rebounds. But the rest of the team there, uh, I mean, the rest of the starters scored a combined, 18, 19, what, 21 points, and that includes Brad Davidson at 4 of 12 from the field, and the bench only scored 10 points. So a, a rough go overall if you weren't named Johnny Davis. Let's talk about Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know that was that was why I first that was a good game with that one first because yeah. I think that that was one of the most enjoyable games I think I've ever seen at the, at the Cole Center or maybe in the Fieldhouse. But uh, to be down as far as they were to come back like that showed a great deal and uh, just shows all that stuff that is to get the monkey off your back. Like Indiana thought that they were going to pull it off and again what what fourteen in a row or something like nineteen in a row I guess it is or something. It's just crazy numbers, but uh, that just shows what the potential is. But uh, India, Ohio State's got a pretty solid ball club, not easy to play, but again, we talked about this on the show, about making sure you win at home and they pick off a couple on the road, and so hopefully that'll happen. Tonight, uh, Nichols obviously uh, shouldn't be in the same uh, uh, the category as the Badgers are, but uh, these are the kind of games that are they're really tough to struggle with, and, and uh, it, they're, they're kind of one of those teams that, you know, teams that are off the grid, so to speak, that it's got a name to itself. Nichols, people know about Nichols State. And uh, and so it's the kind you have to pay attention to. It's going to hopefully get a chance to get some guys some work. And the big guys maybe can take over and dominate and give them a little confidence about getting scoring in the paint. But uh, I expect the Badgers will win, but it, uh, it'll be some heartaches off and on now and then. They, hopefully they've never really started too much getting the three-point shots to, to go down early in the game. But uh Hopefully they'll get the confidence tonight against the Nichols getting back home and uh, and put it to bed early. Yeah, and I think for Badger fans, Davidson getting his shot back. Uh, so far, he's seven of twenty-four in Big Ten play. Obviously, this is not a Big Ten game, but he was more successful against non-Big Ten opponents. So that could be an opportunity for him to to find his rhythm as a scorer because in those two games, he has you know he's averaging about ten points per game uh, on pretty low shooting percentage there, so hopefully Brad can get his numbers back up to what we saw them in non-conference play. 
Yeah, when he gets a shot, I mean, you're going to get a few of them. And when you can just tell it when he, when he gets hot, he wants that ball and he'll he works for it and hard to uh, get. Then occasionally he'll throw one up there and it'll be an air ball or off balance or make a drive and charge somebody. And then then we have to wait till the next streak starts. But uh, certainly he's done a good job this year, I think, in leadership and uh, in certainly getting the crowd behind him and uh, and being a guy on the road that gets uh, gets attention because of the crowd. Uh, you know, everybody knows that he supposedly flops and things like this, and still, I think he's earned it, earning back a little bit more of that the credibility that he doesn't do it just uh, for the sake of it. He does it when it's legit, and uh, hopefully, the officials start to recognize that. But uh, he's, he's he's it's a good year, a good year for him to be coming back with youngsters on the team, and hopefully, they'll uh, they'll make a good run at it. But he's certainly been helpful this year, being a, a super senior, so to speak. Yeah, and then uh, another guy I would like to spotlight in a positive way is Chucky Hepburn. His defense has been remarkable. Obviously, you look at the box score, you, you look at his overall numbers, you go, oh, how come, what kind of impact is he making? But watch the games play some pretty amazing defense. He does. He makes great, great defense, and he's and he's been dead on in the free throws. I mean, that's the biggest thing you can see when a guy that kind of youth and has the confidence that he can go up to the line and just he's got a great stroke, and he's had two games where he's made – Two key free throws at different times when they've been really key, and they, and that's not easy to do. I mean, I think that uh, that's one of the big things. He just shows the leadership. Seems to be very calm out there, and uh, he occasionally misses the ball a little bit and kind of plays around with it. But uh, he's uh, he's a good driver, and uh, hopefully catches shot here now and then, and uh, and he'll be a complete player. Well, Pat, as always, we appreciate the time. We'll catch up next week. Okay, late, Jim. See ya. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man.